welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, hey, howdy-do, Broads. How are you? Miss you. I am all by myself in the studio right now. All alone. All by myself. Oh, God. I miss Becca so much. I miss her smell, and I miss holding her hands while we podcast. We've never actually held hands while we podcast, but you better believe once all this is over and I can sit next to her once again, I will demand we will be holding hands the entire podcast. (sighs) I miss her, but I am very excited because we have an incredible guest on the podcast today, Broads. I am a huge fan of her and her podcast, Unfuck Your Brain. Her name is Cara Lowenthal. If you don't know about her, you'll know about her after this podcast, and I am confident you'll become a huge fan of her uh, as well. And Cara was actually in town many, many weeks ago from New York. So specifically, if you are a YouTube broad, just wanted to clarify that if you're watching the YouTube and you're thinking they're together and they're sitting awfully close, that's why. This uh, podcast was recorded uh, numerous weeks before the shelter-in-place orders were in effect. And speaking of the shelter-in-place orders in the pandemic, Cara actually, since we've recorded this, has now started and off is offering a free podcast series called Turn Panic Into Peace. And this is a podcast specifically focusing on the crisis, focusing on all those scary what-ifs that can become an endless loop and how you can start to control how you're thinking, um, help how you're feeling. And it's a really incredible podcast series and has brought a lot of peace uh, to my mind. And she actually has a specific link for the broads. It's going to be unfuckyourbrain.com slash peace for broads. And if you check that out, you'll be able to check out that free podcast series, Turn Panic Into Peace. I highly recommend it. I'll make sure it's in the episode notes. Um, And without further ado, let's get into it. We're going to talk emotional responsibility. We're going to talk feminism. We're going to talk triggering. We're going to talk people pleasing. We're going to talk all about it. Hello, broads. What is going on? So here's the deal. Becca is off being a super mom with family who are out of town or now in town. She's just she's doing the damn thing. But don't worry, I do have a co-host today and I'm so I'm super excited because I guess maybe it was a selfish motive that I got her in because I'm a huge fan of her podcast. So I'm just like, can we make this happen? I need her to pick my brain and coach my life. So I'm just going to get her in, use the facade of a podcast, and then we'll, you know, we'll move forward from there. Um, but Broads, I would love, 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 love to introduce you to Kara Lowenthal. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for I'm coming. I'm so excited to be here under false pretenses. You. <laughs> you know, I just use, this is a scam. That's it's all fine. a scam. I, you know... It's fun to be scammed sometimes. Gives sometimes, you a good story. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kara is the host of Unfuck Your Brain, which is an incredible podcast. Broads, I know you're going to want to listen to this. We're going to include everything in the episode notes afterwards. Um, but I love how your podcast is like 15 minutes. It's like the episodes are like those quick tips. They like zap my brain for the day. <laughs> I start feeling like I start my day with it and I just feel like I can conquer the world after I listen to them. Um, so you are a master certified confidence coach. I am. <laughs> Broads, this woman, um, Yale bachelor's 
went to Harvard for law school and then was defending women's rights. So I just want to start this off by saying you're way smarter than me. So. <laughs> it's a lot of different kinds of intelligence is what I've learned anywhere you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll maybe feel that I'm more, you know, I, I know a lot about reality TV. Listen, you got me beat there. I'm good at taking standardized tests. That's really what that tells you. I mean, that is a thing, though, huh? I mean, it's not a life skill that's going to be helpful after the apocalypse, but, you know, but, you know, once, if you want to go to Harvard, When the AI take helpful. over, you never know. Yeah. They might be throwing us a lot of tests. You never know. That's, I don't know. I think they're more likely to take over my kind of work, whereas, like, knowledge of pop culture, that's I feel true. like you might have a better shot. The AI just <laughs> will not know how to spill all the tea and throw right. all the shade towards Because that'll be all the human stuff they won't understand, whereas I do true. the logic, and they'll be oh. like, oh, we could do this. Well, now I feel better. There you go. See, I've already coached you. <laughs> This is great. So, Cara, can you give our listeners a little bit of a background about who you are, how you got started? Yeah. I mean, you know, as you said, totally normal career path. I was like Harvard Law School and I should quit and become a life coach. Um, <laughs> my parents have almost recovered. I um, So, yes, I was a I was a women's rights lawyer. I was a reproductive rights lawyer in particular. And oh, then, OK. Yeah. And then I was an academic. So my last... Um, job working for someone else was running a think tank at Columbia Law School. So I was on the path to becoming a law professor. That was the goal. Um, next to Elizabeth Warren, maybe. Uh, she's a way better law professor than I ever would have been, much less I mean, senator. I mean, don't, I don't, don't, don't want to meet anyone in public, <laughs> much less have to like campaign. Um, oh, that just seems like the most Oh my God, the nightmare. My middle shit. brother is a, um, has been involved in politics. I'm always like, this, really? just show, this just shows that socialization isn't everything. Some of it is genetic because like, I can't even wrap my brain. Oh my God. He has more close friends than I've ever met people in my whole life. Oh my God. Um, Anyways. Too many hands to shake. Too many illnesses. It's a nightmare. You have to speak to so many people. It's terrible. Um, So yeah. So that's what I was doing professionally. um, But now I've just messed up my lipstick on video. So if you're watching this, you get to see. Still looks great. The behind the scenes. Um, I think I had always been interested in psychology and self-help. Like I had gone to when I was like 16, I told my parents I wanted to go to therapy. You know, like I was probably the most Se- functional member, but I was like. Oh, my like, God. I was That was self. You. you yeah. I was like. On your own. Yeah, exactly. Go. I've just always, I think, been very interested in the human mind, the human experience and like what makes it the way it is and how can we, you know, how can we change it or how can we grow or how can we evolve? Like what right. is the good life? Right. Is right. kind of the question that I think a lot of philosophers have asked themselves for thousands of years. So. I had gone to therapy. I had worked with some other coaches, which were ranged from totally unhelpful to somewhat helpful. <laughs> um, I had, you know, gotten into yoga and gotten into meditation. I had just like done the things that you have. Yeah, you just know, the checklist. The checklist sure. in this day and age yeah. of things to do. <laughs> the right? self-help, Juice self-care. Cleanse, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Lots um, of charcoal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The more charcoal, the better. As always. <laughs> of course. That's, that solves That's what everything. we've learned in yeah, 2020. The more charcoal, it. the better. Um, and all of that had like helped a little bit in some different ways, but you know, I think, uh, there's a old saying when the student is ready, the teacher appears Mm. and I, you know, it's not like no one probably had ever meant for all. I know my first therapist when I was 16 told me this, but I just wasn't ready to hear it. But for whatever reason, I found my teacher's work and I was ready to hear it. And, um, it just really fit with the way my brain worked, explained so much about my experience. And so, I got really into that work just for myself. I was still planning to be a law professor, but I was just like, you know, working on my own personal stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was so kind of transformative. And in a funny way, like life coach and law professor sound like opposite ends of the career spectrum. But there's <laughs> actually the things I would have liked about being a law professor. I realized that I could do even more of as a coach, which mm-hmm. is 
I mean, I was always kind of subversive. So it was like teaching people how to think, teaching people how to question their assumptions, how to think critically about the world around them and about their own thought process. Um, and law in particular, you go to law school, you really get taught to think in a certain way. So mm -hmm. I was sort of like, there's actually way more overlap than you'd think because you'd think there'd be zero. Um, and so, yeah, I really just like, I kind of woke up one day and was, I, I mean, I was lucky that I came to a decision point where you have to, getting a law teaching job is a huge project. You have sure. to like fly all around the country and give all these talks. I mean, it's not something where you're just like, I'll send in an application <laughs> yeah. and see what happens. We'll you see know? if I hear back. Yeah. yeah. It's more like training for a marathon. Like mm -hmm. it's like a big and, you know, financial and time investment. So I think I was lucky that I, I was at that decision point and it's sort of, it might've taken me another year or two to jump if I hadn't had that pressure, but it was like once I sort of knew I wanted to do this, it seemed crazy to start that whole process. Were you always like the friend that all your oh, other right. friends always. are clamoring at like your whole life? Just like, I know everybody's secrets me. always. Okay. Yeah. Not just friends, family, like everybody. Like, the since, people on the bus are yes, just like, yes, Cara, strangers. I need yes. to tell you like, something. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, you're 12. I'm 12. And you're going to tell me about how your husband cheated on you on the bus. Yes. <laughs> like just like sitting there with your hands yeah. crossed. I'm just 12. Like, oh, yeah. I don't even know what that means yet. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been that person, I think. Um, and I think I've always, you know, the kind of work that I do really, um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but like mm -hmm. encourage you to like radically question your judgments about things. Yes. And I think I've always had a slightly, I just always had that streak anyway. Like mm -hmm. this work has taken me deeper into that, but I think people always felt safe talking to me even mm -hmm. before this training because I've always just been I'm very pragmatic. Like you could blame it on me being a tourist or Jewish or whatever. But like, I've just always just kind of been like, listen, we all make this all up. Like, what do you want to do and why? And really never felt like, oh, this is the set of things we have to do or supposed to do. Right. Well, one of the things that I love about your podcast is that as a listener, I'm always hearing you talking about questioning yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, here are A to Z, all the things that you should be doing. Like, mm -hmm. I love how you're going to talk about yeah, I, uh, I, this happened to me and I felt like I was triggered and I started to realize like what actually is triggering and let's mm -hmm. talk about it and why. And I'm like, you're questioning yourself, which for me just allows this opening of vulnerability where I'm like, okay, I'm not on the defense or the off defense. Listening yeah, defense. To you. I'm like, for a second, I'm like, I don't know about sports. What are that sports? Sounds what, what, kind what, of right. What is sports? Um, but yeah, I'm not on the defense listening to you because I'm like, okay, like she's processing through this herself. And I know sometimes I've I had a few like worked with a few life coaches and all this. And something that was always something that threw me off was the idea of they would just like tell me just how to how to do it and mm -hmm. I was gonna be like well, don't you have any problems in your life totally. ever like can we relate back and forth and I love that the constant questioning and I think especially when we're very self-critical which you probably are yes then you take other people even giving you suggestions as almost being like a criticism and then you sure. want to know that they are also human but yeah I think that's a big and that's a big difference I think and there are other coaches like this but I, there's a big difference I think between there are coaches out there who or teachers out there who present very much as like, I've already resolved all of this and I'm mm -hmm. going to teach it to you. And I certainly like I teach what I've already worked through. Like, I'm yeah. not going to teach it when I'm in the middle of it and I haven't figured it out yet. I'm not just gonna be like, here's 12 things that might be going on. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. a mess. Right. Yeah. But I do. Um, I have again, like I've just become more and more of myself. I've always been kind of like, why shouldn't I tell strangers about this? Or, mm -hmm. you know, like not much filter kind of like yeah, there's nothing shameful about having a human brain or having these feelings or this part of my sex life or whatever. I'll just share mm -hmm. it all. So 
I just find that much easier. It's very hard for me to be like, okay, these things I talk about, these things I don't remember, which are which, and like, <laughs> right. what did I share and what did I not? Where's I'd rather, the line? Yeah, I'd rather just, you know, I don't share stuff that has to do with like other people. Like, I don't talk about, you know, if I'm working through something involving my interactions with my boyfriend, like, I won't, I'm not going to like give any details that have anything to do with his privacy, but I'm going to talk about like, oh, I see what happened in my brain and how can I deconstruct that? I mean, you learn a lot from coaching, but truly, I think when it comes to this kind of work, you are your own first and most important student because okay. yeah. you have the most access to your brain. And I can really see the difference now that I've been doing this a while between the coaches who are coaching themselves at a high level and the ones who aren't. Um, I always learn the most from coaching myself. And so... I always want to share that and make it relatable. I also, you know, like you, most of my followers and students are perfectionists and very self-critical. And so to me, it's so important to normalize. I think we all, so many of us have this thought that like there's something wrong with us or we're different or everybody else has it together, right? And social, yeah. we, in the age of social media, even more so. And so to me, it's so important to be like, listen, we're not trying to, I like to say like, you'd be amazed what you can accomplish with a half-managed mind. <laughs> we're not... <laughs> We're not trying to get like I don't know where am I at seventy percent maybe off on all cylinders yes, all the time exactly like yeah. B plus work like mm -hmm. I have a more managed mind than you so I can teach you mm -hmm. but I'm not saying mine is perfectly managed and the good news is it doesn't have to be look how much I've been able to change in my life not having achieved enlightened not having achieved enlightened transcendence. All right, we have to take a quick pause, but you know how everyone has that one skill that you never got the chance to learn, but you always wish that you did? For me, it has always been graphic design, and I swear every few weeks a project would pop up either at work or in my personal life. Now through the podcast when I'm seeing all you talented broads, and it would be one of those if-only moments, like if only I knew graphic design, I could do some of this myself and I could do it in an easier and faster fashion. Well, no more wishing broads. I'm committed. You heard it here first. Hold me accountable. I'm committed to learning more about graphic design, and I'm going to do that through Skillshare. Oh, my God. Right now in this present day, I will stand behind the fact that I think Skillshare is one of the most important platforms we have out there. Uh, Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people where you can explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. The amount of classes available it's endless. There's a category in the class for every interest, whether you want to try your hand at web development or take a class in animation, the possibilities, I'm telling you, endless. Um, not only am I loving finally learning graphic design in the graphic design basics class because it's useful, but I find that inserting that little moment for creativity during my day really helps break up the routine and keeps my brain engaged in a new way. And it's really been helping my anxiety. I I believe wholeheartedly that investing in yourself can do that, especially in this present day where there is just so much uncertainty. Taking time to invest in you, whether that be a new skill or reigniting a previous passion, is powerful. It is so empowering. And I'm telling you, Skillshare, it just changes my weeks, truly. Um, if there's a skill you've been dying to learn or maybe something you've already learned but want to explore deeper, I challenge you broads to join me on Skillshare. There's no better time than now. Um, explore your creativity and get two months of premium membership at Skillshare.com slash chatty. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free 
Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash chatty. That's two months of unlimited access. Two months to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash chatty. Let's not have this whole experience be one of those things where you say you're going to learn something and take advantage of the time and all of a sudden the time's gone and, and we didn't do it. Skillshare is is one of the best ways uh, to help with that. So Skillshare.com slash chatty, two free months. Well, you, one of the big things that you always talk about is being a feminist mm-hmm. and that like term, I love, I want to hear from you. What's like the definition to you of being a feminist? I mean, I think a lot more people are feminists than think they are because really it just means that like men, women, and actually people of all genders, those aren't the only two genders, right? Everybody should have equal political, economic, and social rights and value mm-hmm. regardless of their gender identity or expression or sexual orientation or ethnicity or race. I mean, it's right, intersectional feminism brings in all of that. So, uh, you know, I always just go back to the like, do you like voting and being able to have your own <laughs> money and wearing pants? Then congratulations, you're a feminist because the feminists are the ones who, and I'm not saying there have obviously been problems in the feminist movement, right? There were early sure. white feminists, feminists were racist, like the early suffragettes. Sure. It's, and we're still a big work in progress. Mm-hmm. But when people are like, I don't need or like feminism has nothing to do with me. I'm just like, you... The fact that you can enter a contract on your own, that's feminism. Like Right, right. I well, I was we've I mean we talk about this all the time on the podcast. I was born and raised in a very conservative evangelical home mm-hmm. and I remember when, you know, the word obviously the word feminism has been around for a hot minute, but I remember when it started to really like catch fire and it was just kind of the hot term that everyone was talking about and I remember my parents and the people around me being like, oh, nope, 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 nope. It mm-hmm. was like such a naughty word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you do not want to be that. And I remember hearing people discuss it. And I'm like, this seems like this is what everyone would want. Right. Your ability, if you are a woman and you are allowed to go to the polls and vote for the <laughs> yes. fascist that you want to elect because you don't believe in feminism, that's because <laughs> exactly. of feminists. <laughs> So it's the just fact like, that you're allowed to drive the car there and that you are wearing pants and that you have a credit card in your pocket when you vote all of that yes. because of feminism. I'm So when you have people who are coming to you who are wanting to get coached, do we have like most of your clients, are they women who would consider themselves like proudly declare most of the time I'm a feminist or is, is it something that they're working through saying like, I don't know if this is what I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, you having to kind of give this definition of, hey. Yeah. And of course, I don't you can work with me whether you want to call yourself. Like, I don't care what you, I don't care what you call yourself. I'm like, right. if you if you like these things, you are more feminist than you think. Mm-hmm. I would say I do think I get more. I mean, there's a lot of um, obviously social justice critiques of everything, but of like the <laughs> life coaching industry. And so I would say I get more people who actively identify as mm-hmm. feminist or anti-racist or or any have a social justice lens or experience because that's the world I come from. And I bring that to my coaching work. But I think I get a lot of women who just it's I probably don't get that many people who are like, I've learned all about feminism and decided I don't like it. Like they're not so many sure. people who have like actively rejected it. But I think a lot of women, even if they went even if that's not like a word they use as part of their mm-hmm. self-identity, you know, they still have experience being like, wait a minute, supposedly we're all equal, but mm-hmm. why am I getting paid less? Or like, supposedly mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want, but then why does the size of my stomach matter so much? Right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, 
even women who don't identify as feminists experience the conflict of living in a society where we are giving lip service to a lot of equality ideals, but we have not moved beyond so much of the social messaging that is still very patriarchal. Right. Okay. So you put out an episode uh, yes, recently. Yes, like this week, I think, yeah, maybe, okay. last week. That I just listened to talking about the patri- patriarchy. Um can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, that's just something that we've talked about briefly here, but I would love to dive into Yeah, that and it you. sounds like such a big word. It's like, oh, that's the feminazi word. Like, right. all that means is that men... <laughs> Again, these are all the words that when I was younger, I was yeah. like, oh, we don't talk about right, those. Right, right. <laughs> but like, all it means is, I mean, you obviously men created our society, right? Mm-hmm. Only they could vote the founder, right? The yeah. framing fathers, the founding fathers were all men. Mm-hmm. Women couldn't vote. Like, it's it, to me, it's it's hard to argue with the factual of like who created the society and who had most of the legal power for most of the time. Now, yes, things are changing, but patriarchy, it doesn't mean that we think that men are evil and they get around, like they have meetings every month that we don't know about for the cabal, right? Or like, you know how they are. (laughs) Right. I'm like, I'm straight. I date men. I love men. I love my brothers. I have male friends. I love my partner. You know, like Mm -hmm. it does nothing to do with man hating, right? It just means who had the power. Mm -hmm. And I don't, it has it has nothing to do with thinking people for me have like bad intent or are evil. Like I just think humans create things that mm-hmm. we're all selfish in our own ways, like benefit us or in our own self-image. We all right. want to think that, you know, we are probably a lot of it seemed um magnanimous to them at the time. I'm sure like they would have been like, we love women and we're taking care of them by not yeah. letting them vote. You know, it's not about evil intent. You it's know, just... when they're on their periods, they right. go crazy. Right. What if, like, it what sounds if voting is during us, their cycle? They, right. They used to believe it. So to <laughs> me, it's not about like bad intent. Mm-hmm. It's just a factual description of who had the power and the money mm-hmm. and therefore society was built unconsciously even sometimes and maybe sometimes consciously in a way that enables that to repeat itself so yeah and so the episode in the episode we're talking about I basically try to break down for people why I think a lot of people who either identify as feminist or just would say that like they might not even experience this conflict between you know on the one hand I don't rationally and intellectually think that like women should be paid less or aren't as good as their jobs Mm -hmm. like I have this belief that we should be equal right but yet when I'm in that meeting or going to ask for that raise I'm filled with anxiety and I worry that I'm not good enough and so the way I think most people express that is saying I believe this but I feel this Mm -hmm. and that's actually what I talk about in the episode is like that's a misunderstanding of what's happening what's really happening is that you have two sets of competing thoughts and that part of the problem in the way that patriarchy impacts us in the society impacts us is that we absorb all this messaging, right? So like women can be anything, but if you're ambitious, it'll turn the men off, right? Like that kind of thing. Sure. Or sure. like your brain, you know, like your intelligence is what matters, but it's very important that you be thin. Like what right. all these mixed right, messages, right, right. we interpret, we, we internalize them, but they come out in our own voice. So it's not like if you heard like an old white man announcer voice being like, your thighs are too fat for you to find love. Like you wouldn't, (laughs) you'd be like, Oh, that can't, that must not be me. That's weird. But that's not what happens. Right. Mm -hmm. It comes out as your own voice saying like that person has a boyfriend because they're thinner than you and you're not going to get one until you lose five pounds. And that's why it's so confusing. You have these beliefs that you want to live your life by and you think should be true. But then you also have all this self-critical thinking that you don't even recognize as being caused by society. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's so that was so powerful to me because I've heard you use the the term or uh, the phrase you if you believe in empowerment, but you don't feel empowered. Mm-hmm. And that's something I know. Con- I mean, 
obviously I would imagine all of us deal with it, but that's something that just is always over my head. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know what I believe and I will, I, my fists are clenched. Like I will fight (laughs) tooth and nail for it. But internally, sometimes Mm -hmm. if I'm being completely honest, you know, it's hard not to live your life with that voice in the back of your head. And like, for instance, uh, we talk about aging, right? I'm like, okay, well, in the back of my head, I go, well, I guess, I guess, thank God I'm, I have, I'm married to someone, but what if he leaves me? Like, mm-hmm. of course, he's going to get more handsome as he gets older because he's a man, right? And I'm just getting ugly mm-hmm. <laughs> as a woman because I'm getting older, right? right? And there's this weird thing where I'm like, bitch, that's not true. What are you talking about? But it's always there. Mm-hmm. And so I'll like lay in bed sometimes and be like, oh, you're not a good feminist <laughs> because yeah. I have that feeling of I, be- I believe in empowerment, but. I don't feel it sometimes. So hearing you break down the idea of this is something that is just part of like our DNA at this point, this patriarchal society. So of course we're going to be fighting tooth and nail and the idea of like feeling shame or guilt because of that in any way is just not okay to ourselves. Yeah, it's not necessary. And the good thing is it's very hard to change your own genetic code unless you're like a geneticist, but right. <laughs> I don't still you probably can't. But you can change your thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is the big gift of this work is that thoughts are just it's almost like, you know, we have muscle memory in our bodies, we understand. You basically have that in your brain. It's not technically a muscle, right? It's neural connections that have fired a lot together and so those connections get very strong. Right. If you've ever heard the phrase like neurons that wire together, fire together, right? It just means that basically just means that when you think a thought over and over, your brain gets very efficient at Mm -hmm. thinking that thought. And then it just wants to do that. Your brain always wants to save energy because part of your brain thinks you might be, you know, run over by a lion at any time. (laughs) It just is like, like, yeah, that's what your brain is evolved to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the podcast, in that same episode, I talk a lot about this, like our brain create shortcuts because otherwise imagine you'd be like a six month old all the time. You know, they wake up and they're like, Oh my God, what's happening? What's this thing? Is that my hand? What is that? (laughs) Right? Like, because they don't know what anything is and they haven't developed those shortcuts to recognize what things are and how the world works. And so they, they're like stoned all the time. They have to sleep all the time. They're exhausted <laughs> from growing new brains. 23 hours yeah, a day. Exactly, they're so they're overwhelmed like, in the one hour. Right, and they're like <laughs> yeah. creating so many new neural connections. Mm-hmm. So your brain has evolved to learn shortcuts so that we don't have to wake up in the morning and be like, where, where am I? How do I get what, how do I feed myself? Like, what is my foot? Right. That would be right. so overwhelming. And but the problem is that we absorb all these shortcuts of like when women get older, they're ugly and undesirable. Mm-hmm. And then that just that just plays constantly. So the good news is, you you know, you've been practicing that thought now for however old you are. Right. Sure. However yeah. many years. Thirty one. Yeah. I was gonna say twenty three. But, you know, oh sure. my God. <laughs> but even that joke. Right. No, even the fact, I'm like, that, Thank you so much right? for telling like, me that I'm 23. And that, that joke came even up in my own brain is like yeah. a symbol of that same thing. My better to be younger. My heart says I love my 20 or my 31. Mm-hmm. I love my 23 year old self. No, I love my 31 yeah. year old self. I feel I feel better than I ever have. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. But you tell me that I look 23 and kissing your ass for the rest right. of the day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. But so the good news is you've been practicing those thoughts for 31 yeah. years. It does not take another 31 years to learn how to think a new way. Like we actually have something called neuroplasticity, which is the brain's ability to evolve and change. What's so wild is like until very Pretty recently, the last couple of decades, scientists thought the brain, your brain was only plastic when you were like a child and that was it, which is so crazy because obviously you can learn new things, like you could learn a new language or whatever. So you can, it's never about like, I think sometimes people are like, okay, I've identified this bad thought about how women get ugly as they get older. I want to stop thinking it. 
you can't do it that way. Mm. You can't stop. It's like being like, let me stop breathing. Like you can't stop thinking. Sure. You have to be practicing a different thought instead. But you can okay. actually rewire your brain. And basically you you it's like you're diverting um, a river from one you know dam to another. It's like mm-hmm. you strengthen the new neural connection by practicing it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And over time, it becomes stronger than the old one. The old one withers away. You stop having that thought as much and it stops even when you do have it doesn't feel as emotionally upsetting. You don't believe it as much anymore. And so you can actually change your thinking. So, you know, the the bad news is you've absorbed a lot of messages that are sure. fucking with you. But the good news is you actually can identify. That's what what I teach is all about is like, how do we is identify those thoughts and how do we shift them? So that we don't have to always think this way. Like, I don't want to get older and keep believing that I'm getting uglier as I get yeah, older. Like, no, that's going to feel course. terrible, you know? <laughs> Every year, it's just like, right. it's like being in a cell and just like marking right. the next year. Right. Yeah. So I want to be, and same as you and so many women will tell you, like, Every year is better than the last, right? We oh. get farther and farther away from giving a fuck about yes, all of that stuff. It's fantastic. But so, and I don't think it's a surprise that society's like trying to, that the, that the messages we get, the more older and independent women get, the more mm-hmm. they get messages that like the only thing that matters about them is how they look and that, you know, they're decaying on the vine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like a practical way that you yeah. teach the thought shift. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of, you know, mindset work and positive thinking gets a bad rap because people have either not been given any tools. So they're just told, like, think positive. <laughs> You're like, yeah, if I knew how to do that, <laughs> I'd be doing so it already. <laughs> that was really, that's like saying to me, like, yeah, to run a marathon, you just run. I'd be like, uh, okay. Well, yeah, I understand, like, my legs have to move, but, like. <laughs> I understand, but after half of a mile, I want to die. I'm literally dying. <laughs> right. So, yeah. what's. Um, yeah, no, the positive, the, the whole positive uh, thinking thing has been a challenge for me over the past few years because that's been so pushed that I'm like, I'm really trying my best. And it works right. for me for about five minutes. And then my anxiety attacks. And then I not thinking positive for the rest of the day I'm yeah just I mean I think a couple of things go wrong one is you try to believe one is you just don't even know what that means right so you're just like and then you feel guilt now you're like now I'm a bad positive thinker also <laughs> exactly. now I'm gonna get cancer because I'm thinking so negatively right like that's what you're told exactly it's so crazy um and then secondly I think when you are given some sort of instruction on how to do it it's often to like come up with this very positive thought so mm-hmm. it's like if your thought is like i'm just getting uglier every day mm-hmm. right and you're told to believe <clears throat> excuse me you're told to try to believe like i'm beautiful i'm a beautiful woman at any age whatever it's like some thought that you're too far away from right now mm-hmm. so you don't get any emotional payoff and then what you're describing is what happens which is you don't get any emotional payoff and then you actually get more anxious because you're like, oh, my God, OK, this isn't working. Now I'm really stuck with this right. thought. Now I'm aging even faster. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. So I really focus a lot and teach a lot about what I call neutral thoughts or ladder thoughts, which means like you're trying to take one step from where you are. So rather than going from like I'm getting uglier every day to mm-hmm. like I'm an amazing goddess at any age. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. You would practice thinking something like a really little baby step like um, there are women of any age who are attractive or even I know that I can't trust my brain about this right now because I've been taught to think this way Mm -hmm. or I notice that I'm believing that there's only one definition of being attractive or right and you got to test those all out in your body and see how they feel see what you believe a little bit and then practice that then you can take it up a notch and the cool thing I think is after you do that a few times on purpose you have to practice the thought a lot. I don't mean think it three times. I mean, after you've like yeah. 
gone through this process and you've moved yourself up a few notches, your brain actually will often just take over and jump you to the top or like jump Mm. you to another level. Like it's painstaking in the beginning. And a lot of people kind of give up. And that's the part that like, there's no magic. You have to be willing right. to practice. It's I think, like any, anything, yeah, like anything you have to. Right. Put I the yell at my in. students about this all the time. I'm like, yeah. you wouldn't pick up the violin and be like, well, or the cello and be like, I did three lessons. Why aren't I yo-yo ma yet? This is so wrong. But no, that dude practiced a lot. Yeah. Like you have to practice. But once you've, you're basically, I mean, the cool thing is that one of the cool things is that you're teaching your brain the skill of learning to think new thoughts. Mm. And eventually, once you get really good at that, your brain does it on autopilot. So if you think about like, we've all like driven to the wrong house because we weren't paying attention and we had muscle memory, our brain yeah. like unconsciously could get us there. Or like when you learn driving, you can't talk, you have to like stare at the road. Right. And, and then you start to do that thing where all of a sudden you've zoned out and you're like, how am I still alive and have been right, driving but for because like 20 it, minutes? Yeah. Yeah. It moved from your conscious to your unconscious mm. mind. Your unconscious mm. mind is now able to carry out that function without your supervision. And that happens with changing your own thoughts. Wow. So eventually, if you practice enough, I see this with my students all the time. They'll be like, oh, my God, my brain just coached itself today. Like yeah. I had a negative thought. And rather than have to be like, OK, what am I thinking instead? Blah, blah, blah. My brain itself was just like, Meh, you could just think this. And that's oh. the fun part. Is there something that so do you, you coach women like in is that? I always I say like anyone who is identifies as a woman or yes. was socialized as a woman, you know, it's. People can sign up, whoever, you know, it's it's sure. self-identification. Sure. Um, what is like, what are the things that most people are coming to you for? Yeah, I think. Um, the what the thing that drives people to try to find help usually, I think, is anxiety mm-hmm. and unhappiness. Like, I mean, we're really, you know, we we do have this prefrontal cortex, this like newly evolved part of our brain that does a lot of higher level thinking. But really, we're mostly motivated by our emotions yeah. still. And so I think like anything, why do you take action just because you feel bad enough where you are and mm-hmm. you're like, maybe this will feel better. So I would say like emotionally, it's like anxiety, guilt, shame. Um, and in terms of issues, I think there's kind of big buckets of like what I think women's problems kind of break down into. And one, you know, there's sort of anxiety and imposter syndrome in your career. And then there's like body image and sex stuff like mm-hmm. sort of either body image shame or eating uh, obviously like if you're an active eating disorder you need professional mental health treatment mm-hmm. coaching is not a substitute for that but there's such a range of like just of issues course. with eating yeah. and food and movement and sex that's another bucket kind of your relationship with your body your work um, I think your family life whether that's family of origin or like yelling at your kids or fighting with your partner or being very you know, we've all been therapized and mm-hmm. we all and therapy can be amazing and helpful. And then like anything else, like coaching can be amazing and helpful if done well, can be not so much. And one of the downsides of some of the forms of therapy that are prevalent, I think, is that people get very um, fixated on their story about their past and their childhood and how it like now they can't be any other way. And right. so I get a lot of people who have gone through therapy on that stuff and mm-hmm. feel still like they're like, OK, supposedly I have all this insight now about how my childhood screwed me up, but I still feel terrible and I can't change my behavior. (laughs) So family. And then I think dating and love life. I would say those are like kind of the biggest buckets. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing. I feel like um, so often, and I know a lot of our listeners, like when I'll get DMs and everything is that place where you feel stuck because you finally, like you said, have identified these are the issues that happened in my childhood. This is why I struggle with this. 
But then like, I don't know where to go from here. That was my experience with therapy too. And I think the premise of not all, but a lot of forms of therapy, some forms of therapy is that, and some forms of coaching too, these aren't clean categories really, is that insight will lead to transformation. Mm -hmm. Once you understand, you will magically change. And I just think that's that's like me saying, I understand how to run a marathon now. Why can't my body do it? Well, you know why? Because I haven't trained or practiced right. or like fixed my alignment issues or I've done nothing. Right. I just assumed that seeing it is going to change it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that comes from misunderstanding that your brain has those habits like muscle memory. So I wouldn't be like, oh, I've identified my right ankle's broken. That's mm-hmm. why it hurts when I walk on it. I don't know why. Why hasn't it just magically healed right. itself? And I'd be like, oh, no, I need a cast. I got to go to physical therapy. There are numerous I got to practice some stuff yeah. here. Like I got to like there's a lot I need to do for this to get back to normal. Yeah. And the same is true of the brain. Like you can identify that you are acting this way towards your partner. Like I have this going. I see this in my own like the work I'm doing in my relationship. I can identify like patterns I have ways yes. things I say or and see like, oh, my parents did that. I see mm-hmm. that. That doesn't make me stop doing it because I have a habit of doing it. So I need to like really intervene and like I have to really get to know my thoughts and be like, okay, in the moment before I say that type of thing, what is my thought? Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. That's what's coming up. Okay, now I need to practice changing that. Like that kind of – I always say like application is what creates transformation. You do need the insight. You got to see the problem and diagnose it. But just diagnosing it, it's like you went to the doctor and they're like, yep, well, you have cancer. So now we know and that'll fix it. They're like, no, here's a very complicated regimen you need to follow. Right. Yeah. No, I know. When I first started uh, going to therapy um, after my husband and I got married, I was like, oh, girl, I was the most jealous. Like it was so <laughs> oh, yeah. bad. It, it was and it, it was really it was not good for our relationship yeah. because He's a musician, so he's gone a lot. There are people taking photos and posting them with him, and I'd be like stalking their social mm-hmm. media and be like, "Who is this?" And like, and I, you know, I had to sit down with a therapist, and the therapist like basically broke down for me. It was like, "Hey, these are all the things. There's been a lot of cheating in your family. This mm-hmm. is how you were raised. This is like you're assuming it's going to happen." And then for both of my parents, like the explanation always afterwards about the cheating was always somehow like physically related. Mm. There wasn't enough sex. The body Mm -hmm. wasn't good enough. And it was always like that instead of really getting like getting down into Mm -hmm. the real issues. But I remember then after therapy kind of being like, well, now I know that my some of my family in childhood was fucked up. Right. But like, what am I supposed to do? But here I do? am still on Instagram scrolling Yeah, but now I'm, I'm still checking out Becky and right. she, you know, <laughs> is looking real hot. And I don't like that they have a photo right. together. Um, and it wasn't until, um, and I'm super, super grateful um, that I happened to have like the right people mm-hmm. in my life to help break it down that I had to get really really gritty and dirty Mm -hmm. and painful with myself and like stare in the mirror for many hours and be like, what is it about you? Like, Mm -hmm. why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Do you not trust him? Is this only about your childhood? Like, what is the deal? And then when you realize that you like, I'm like, I do trust him, Mm -hmm. like having to look at that gritty part. And I feel like that's something that so many people, including myself, will just run from Mm -hmm. because it's like it all sounds nice to feel better it sounds nice to not be a jealous partner but it's really painful and I don't like to sometimes see those sides of myself you're gonna feel worse before you feel better (laughs) almost anything right anything worth doing Mm -hmm. exercise even we were using that cancer example chemo like yeah you're gonna feel worse before you feel better and that's true when you have been 
especially with compulsive behavior like mm-hmm. Instagram stalking or drinking or smoking weed or whatever. Again, like nothing wrong with having wine or smoking weed. I'm not a teetotaler, but just there's a way to do it that's, sure, you know, sure. numbing out and mm-hmm. there's a way that's just enjoyable. And so anything you're doing, mechanism. yeah, anything you're doing compulsively, right, you then have all these thoughts about where you shame yourself for that, mm-hmm. right? And that's why you don't want to look at it. And so I always am, I have, I think the episode next week is about what I call self-improvement shame. Oh. Which is, yeah, I think is going to resonate a lot with people. And it's like two levels. It's like one is you already feel shame about who you are. And then you try to like improve yourself to get away from it. But then you also shame yourself for that, how you're doing in that process. Right. So it's like you start uncovering your thoughts and then you shame yourself for your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh, you got a lot of shit. Right. Girl. And <laughs> you can't do it that way. So like yeah. you always have to work through that first level of shame before you can address the underlying thing. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, I believe you have to get to the point where you're like, I'm a human and I stalk pictures of my husband on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I maybe you, hopefully you're at some point you get to self love for it, but even acceptance, like this is a human thing. And this is again, like it's like a neutral thought. Like yeah. this is a thing that humans do when they have certain thoughts and feelings. I am not the only human to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, and yes, I may want to change it, but I can't change it from a place of like, this is bad and wrong of me and I'm so terrible and fucked up, right? right. It has to just be like, yeah, I'm, sometimes humans drink a lot of wine when they don't want to deal with their feelings. Like, mm-hmm. can I just be with myself and have some compassion for myself and then I'll be able to look at what's underneath and change it. Yeah. But we try to avoid that and we don't want to go through that discomfort. And really everything you want in life is on the other side of being uncomfortable one way or another. Yeah. Okay, broads, we just have to pause once more and I have an important question for you. Is there anything better than smelling good? Like truly, an amazing scent can do many things for you. Even if you don't feel your best self, having a collection of perfumes or colognes that you can spritz on can instantly give you a confidence boost. For me, it's a huge mood booster. Um, My one issue is this. I can never pick just one signature scent. I mean, I can't play favorites between designer brands like Tom Ford, Versace, Dolce & Gabbana. I just can't. And also... They're expensive, okay? But with Scentbird, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to pick. I don't have to play favorites. Scentbird is a monthly luxury perfume and cologne subscription service with over 600 designer brands to choose from. 600. That is a huge selection. And if that sounds overwhelming, you can easily sort through their selection based on occasion, season, style, whatever you're feeling, okay? Um, After you're finished browsing, all of Scentbird's amazing offerings. Just choose the fragrance you want to try and they'll send you a 30-day supply in a travel-friendly refillable case. This case is everything. Pop it in your purse, uh, pop it in your backpack, in your gym bag, in your car. You're smelling good on the go always. Um, I can't express clearly enough how huge that is for me, this this 30-day supply. I love to use my scents as an accessory more. It's like an accessory to my mood or my outfit. The problem is full-size perfumes, they're not cheap and your girl needs options. Uh, One day I might be feeling girly and glamorous and I want a more floral scent. And the next day I might be feeling more mysterious and punk and I want to wear something maybe more earthy or spicy. It really changes that fast. Trust me. Um, And thanks to Scentbird, I never have to worry about having a scent to match how I feel. I always have an option. I love it. You should see how many I have floating around in all my different bags for all my different moods. It's fantastic. Um, Get 30% off your first month today. That's only $10 for your first fragrance. Go to scentbird.com slash chatty 
and use our promo code CHATTY for 30% off your first month. That means your first perfume or cologne is just $10. And we're talking designer here, people. Okay, $10. Um, Again, that's scentbird.com slash chatty, S-C-E-N-T-B-I-R-D.com slash chatty to sign up and use our promo code chatty. Sign on and smell amazing. It's like, it is so uncomfortable and it is one of those things that it's, I feel like, especially as a woman, you are raised when we've been raised to be these like perfect creatures, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to look a certain way, act a certain way, be assertive enough, but not too assertive. It's mm-hmm. always just like, you know, you can't get it right a little bit. So the idea of having to like, especially even look and see yourself for like what it really is versus like, oh, these are the things that I have forced myself to do because society says mm-hmm. I need to do it versus like who I really am. And that, that journey is just so difficult. But I mean, I have so much life work that I'm still in the process of doing and I hope to continue to do that until I die. But um, that specific area for me, it was like, you know, it was it was so eye opening because I was able to go through that process and be like, okay, this is so hard to look at, but I'm able to now come out on the other side and be like, you know, if I had like a meeting, I'd be like, I've been stalker free for like three years. Right. <laughs> We've been clean. But because I've come to the point of realizing that, like realizing really all I can control is myself. Right. And I need to love that part, but also realize that she can be a certain way and that's OK. And, you know, whatever. But um, and that's so empowering. Right. Like so once you empowering. come through the other end side on the first big thing you work on, you're like. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I could change anything. It's like, pretty, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then I just want to like tell people about all my problems all the time. Right. Like, guess what? I'm really shit at this, but I'm working on yeah, it. I'm always like, like what kind it. of crazy am I working on today? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Totally. So I, uh, I feel like that's something, at least with a lot of the listeners from our podcast, there's always this like attempt to grow, which is so awesome. But it has to come from wanting to grow. Yes. Not from that shame, right? I think that's why, like, especially as a woman, the most radical thing you can do is accept yourself as being imperfect. (sighs) And that doesn't mean that you then never change anything, you know, never change anything about yourself or the world or your behavior. But then it comes from, like, this would be fun or interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the human brain likes to be active in something. It needs something to do. Like, you can still choose we're so used to only changing things because we hate them and are rejecting ourselves and Mm -hmm. trying to change them that way, which isn't that effective anyway. So like the idea of being like, you know what? I'm, I don't look exactly the way society tells me. I'm not perfect. I don't keep everybody happy all the time. I don't write whatever. Mm -hmm. Actually accepting yourself as a messy, flawed, imperfect human, which is a freedom men have always been given. Yeah. Right. And Mm -hmm. like are given on the world stage all the time after massive screw ups or <laughs> like massive. whereas massive whereas a woman is like oh she sneezed the wrong way let's that's it for her right, right. so like to accept yourself in that messy imperfection like that that is when you are unstoppable right mm-hmm. if you a woman who is not willing to participate in shaming herself for not matching society standards that's a woman who's unstoppable mm. the idea what you just said about just the idea of empowering, of feeling empowered and still feeling like you're able to work on yourself. 
yeah. is just something that's so mind-blowing because it's just something that we don't connect a lot, I think, as women. Like, you're yeah, either there's not a, empowered there's... and quote-unquote perfect and right. you get it all. Yeah. Or, you know, you're a hot mess and, like, living in that. And the idea of, like, no, I'm, I feel empowered and yet I am literally working on myself every day and I make mistakes constantly and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing half of the time is like was one of the most freeing things that I've ever experienced. Totally. I don't even like I mean, for me, I don't even know if I'm trying to think like, what do I call it if not working on myself? Because to me, working on myself is still sort of like I'm supposed to be improving to which might not be to you. Like words are different for everybody, which is what's so interesting about thought work is Mm -hmm. like no one thought fits all. No, but you're totally right. Because there is that that's that piece for me. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm still getting better. I'm working on. Yeah. To me, it's like I'm. Even growing feels a little bit like that. But I think like I'm I use growing usually, I think, because like viruses can grow. It's not necessarily good <laughs> or bad. You know, it's just change. But like or evolving even again, like, uh, you yeah. know, humans are evolving and we might be killing the planet. Right, like it's right. not necessarily positive, but it is change. It's different. It's like learning to me. Mm. It's like I'm still always learning. Like I am just getting in deeper and deeper relationship with myself mm-hmm. So it's not even about like improving. I'm not like, okay, what behavior will I change next? You know, it's typing. See, there's this the perfectionist part of me. I'm like, all right, move on to the next tick. Right. Yeah. It's more just like, yeah, Yeah. I'm getting to know myself more and more. Like, what is my life about if not getting to know my own experience? And it's not solipsistic because the more I get to know my own experience, the more I can offer everyone else. Right it makes the world, I think, a better place. I'm able to teach other people how to do this. And so much suffering and pain and wasted potential comes from not being willing to have a relationship with ourselves because we're not willing to be alone with ourselves, to look at ourselves. And modern society makes that so easy, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much distraction. You can be on your phone 24-7. You never have to be alone with yourself or your own thoughts. Yes. And like learning how to do that. and, And I think women are encouraged to fill that void with like, exercising and dieting and obsessing about their skin and what you can be doing all of that right so I think to me it's not even like I'm not working on myself like I'm a project that's ever going to be finished or I'm going to get to any particular place that it's like that's an agenda I want to always be curious with myself Mm -hmm. I just want to get to know I want to have more awareness and more discernment and like be more skillful at existing as a human and not because I don't think like There's no, you know, I don't believe in heaven. There's no certified letter at the end that I did a good job. Like I'm kind of just back to earth. That's all that's going to happen for me. But, but still, I just always want to like, what else can I learn? Like, how can I become more tuned in to what's, Mm -hmm. what is it? What is, what is this human experience and how can I share that with more people? Mm -hmm. I know. I I feel like even though, you know, I'm only 31, but I feel like as each year passes, the more I'm starting to realize that I'm like, oh my God, I, this is going by really fast. I only have this certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And how much of my life have I spent beating myself up about not being a certain way instead of being like, I have an unknown amount of time left here. I really don't know. And I, and I, the idea of, um, you know, enjoying myself and not just to be like, it's all about just pleasure, but to a certain extent, it's like, Hey, I, I, feel like we all deserve the ability to enjoy the body that we're in and the place that we've been. And meaningful work is a form Mm -hmm. of pleasure and joy, right? Like if I had one day left on earth, I wouldn't be like, let me binge chocolate cake and booze, right? right? It's not like (laughs) that kind of hedonism. 
right? If I had one well, day, I feel on Earth, like, like that that would have been my. To be honest, yeah. that before I felt more empowered, a- right. actually inside, that might have been an answer because, for me, right? right? Because you didn't know that there was any other pleasure, right? right. That's the whole thing. I'm like, I'm not allowed to do these things, right. so that's what I'm going to want to do on right. my last day. I would totally eat chocolate cake on my last day. I would just, oh. I would not eat a whole cake because yeah. I wouldn't want to be sick for my last day. <laughs> exactly. But I would like. Yeah, if I think about my last day, I'm sure I would want to like coach someone. I would want to do like an amazing last coaching session. I would totally eat a piece of chocolate cake, Mm -hmm. but I would also like want to spend time with my partner and my family and my friends. Like it's not about, um, yeah, it's not, it's not hedonism. Although I do think like women and pleasure is a whole other thing. We could have a whole podcast about And like (laughs) women are socialized and taught to believe they have to earn pleasure and they have to deserve it. And that's a whole thing that men are not Mm -hmm. taught. Mm -hmm. Um, but Anyway, I've, now I've we're now I forget where we were going. No, we're this. just talking about the final days. The, the final, final days. days, but yes, you have a limited amount of time, and like, what are you? And I do think like that's one of the reasons to me that this kind of what I call would call like mental liberation work is so important for women, especially is like how many hours of your life have you spent thinking about what you ate today and what you're going to eat tomorrow and how did you exercise? And none of this is a criticism. I'm not saying I used to be like this. It's not because you're shallow. It's because right. you were taught that that's the most important thing about you. Right. And it's like one of your brain's shortcuts. Oh, acceptance comes from being thin. Love comes from being thin. Like value and worth comes from what I eat and how I exercise. So of course your brain's going to be obsessed with that. Mm-hmm. We are social creatures. We we evolved from people and animals that had to live in tribes and cooperate. So we're very afraid of rejection. And so if you teach someone from the age of zero up that what their body looks like is directly tied to whether they are acceptable and lovable, Mm-hmm. they're going to be obsessed with it. There's no other way. That's how your brain works. It has nothing to do with your character or your intellect or anything else. Right. But when you think about how much time, like why don't women run the world? Because we have been socialized to spend 60% of our brain power thinking about, and like it used to be calories and now it's like power foods, whatever. It's all the right. same bullshit. Right. Right. <laughs> like, you know, just because spirulina now instead of snack wells, does it, it's all the same it's coming all- from the same place. Right. Yes. But like that's yes. what we've been obsessed to spend all mm-hmm. of our energy on. So like, yeah, imagine. I mean, what what I've done since I stopped caring about my body, since I stopped dieting and stopped restricting and stopped binging and purging, I've gained a bunch of weight. My sex and romantic life is way better than it ever was. My partners are so much better. I'm in. A, I've been in much more amazing relationships. I've started, quit an entire career, started a business built it to seven figures in three years, coached thousands of women all over the world, created a podcast. Like, like look how much, the, look how much time I had when I stopped doing. thinking about what I was eating. And I don't even work. I mean, I worked a lot the first couple of years of my business. That's normal. But like, sure, but it's not like I work all the time. Like I have an amazing life and it's a hundred percent because I was able to use my brain for something other than just constantly thinking about my weight. And this, we women are so socialized to put off their future. It's like, when you're thin, when you're married, when you have kids, when you whatever. Right. It's always the unattainable, the future, yes. the future, the future. That's when your life will really start. So it's okay to spend all of your time now just thinking about like the gym and the calories and your body. Right. Because and then once you get that, guess what? Turns out it wasn't ever the thing. Turns, turns out, out it it's doesn't still make, your brain. Turns out it doesn't make you happy. Right. Because people, it's like, yeah, I, it's, it's like thinking that if you drive someplace when you show up, you'll magically be wearing a different outfit. Like, yeah. Your, your brain is going with you. It's going to think the same thoughts. It's this the concept that I love of almost every single one of my girlfriends. Whenever we talk about the wedding day, it's always like all you were taught as a child is like just you're you got to get married as a woman. You got to get married. You got to mm-hmm. find your prince charming. Da-da. And then you have the perfect wedding and you put all this effort into it. And then all of a sudden you get back 
you guys maybe have sex, maybe you're too tired. And then all of a sudden you're sitting in your, in the, the hotel room and all of us, me and all my friends were just like staring at a wall, just like, well, now, now what? what? Right. Cause he's laying next to me and he's cute, but I'm he's fully a- farted up the full room and this is the reality of it. <laughs> right, and I'm still a human with a human brain. <laughs> and I still am still worried about all these things that I was worried about before. Right. I'm still just as jealous as I was before. I'm right. just as self-conscious as I was before. Right. It doesn't didn't change anything for right. me. You have been training your brain to think a certain way. Again, mm-hmm. it's like muscle memory. Like you can't be like, I'm going to write with my right hand my whole life. And then on a one big day, I'm going to put the pen in my left hand. And now suddenly I'm going to write in my left hand. Like, right. no. You have no idea how to do that. And people, you know, this happens with marriage, but it happens with like getting. I mean, for me, it was like, OK, I got this job and then I got this next job right. and then I got this next job. Right. It's like when I make partner, when mm-hmm. I'm a VP, when I make a million dollars, when I lose the weight, when I whatever. Like we are so taught that external things will make us happy. Yeah. And so we identify with all of those. And it's so deep. I see this in myself, even even having done all of this work, mm-hmm. like there are still things in my life, like making a million for the first time in my business where I was like, oh, I thought that was going to feel like I'm no longer like, oh, that'll make me happy. Right. But right. I still experience the like, oh, I thought this was going to feel like I was going to feel different. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like being in a certain kind of romantic relationship. Like, oh, I thought once I got this part figured out, then I'll and and that reality of like, I'm still me mm-hmm. like some there's another person here or there's a number in my bank account or there's like a title on my business card mm-hmm. but it has not magically transformed we're so we so want that like magical quick fix yeah you know it's not a quick fix you have to spend 10 years <laughs> of your life trying to get there you know but if you spent those 10 years learning how to think and feel on purpose mm-hmm. and create value and fulfillment using your mind mm-hmm. what a better investment of your time oh yeah and i feel like especially as women too we're so trained to uh always think in the way of we have to take care of everyone Mm -hmm. or caretakers or caretakers or caretakers and that then you know can feed into many different areas of someone's life it doesn't just necessarily look like a mother it's you know being the consummate friend it's being the perfect partner and having a you know food on the table like all these things and there's all this pressure and just the when you're when we're talking about having that final day I'm thinking well when I started thinking more about myself and not again in just this way of like me, 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 but just really starting to get to know myself and think about what I, why I felt the actual way that I did and processing my thoughts. I was able to set more boundaries. I was able to say no more. And even though I maybe wasn't, I'm maybe not from the outside taking care quote unquote Mm -hmm. of as many people as I was before I'm able to take care of people better and I I care more about actually taking care also let's be real when we're taking care of other people it's still just for us it's (laughs) because of how (laughs) we are gonna think and feel right that's why I call like people will identify as people pleasers but they Mm -hmm. say it to you like they think it's like a sign of their good character Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) no I call it people deceiving. You're just completely lying. You're lying to yourself <gasps> oh about why you're doing God. it. You're doing it because you want to have the thought, I'm a good friend. Oh. Or because you feel guilty if you don't. It's all about you and your thoughts you're and feelings. You're legit like tearing into my soul right now. <laughs> my, that's the tagline my whole life. I'm like, I'm just a people pleaser. I'm just a people pleaser. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm like, it's because I want people to like me right. because it makes me feel better about right. myself. And you're like, people pleasing. Here's how I'm going to, here's how I'll take care of other people. I'm going to lie to them about what I want to <laughs> do and who I am and how I like to spend my time and what I think about them. <laughs> 
it's so right. And then we're like, that'll make them like me. It was like, well, first of all, they don't even know who the real you is. They like this fake you. <laughs> you got one other chameleon disguise on today. Yeah. You know, I'm a different right? person. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's like when people, I mean, people just with dating all the time too, where they're yeah. like, well, I don't, I don't want to like scare them off. I'm like, you want to pretend to be someone else. So they fall in love with a fake person. <laughs> Best case scenario. Now you're married to somebody who has no idea who you are and oh you have to keep pretending God. the whole, it's so irrational, right? You're like, I want to, I want them to like me. Yeah. So I will pretend to be a different person. That's who they end up liking. And somehow that's going to make me feel better about myself. That does not work. No. Oh, my God. So many of my girlfriends who are dating right now just keep will be sitting together. And it's always like, should I should I send this message? Do I sound to whatever? I'm like, just just send the message, because if he's not going to like you, if he's going to turn it off now, right. you guys have been seeing each other for a couple of weeks. Probably not the right person for you because totally. you're going to come out eventually. You know? And there's a big difference. It's like and then people swing too far to the other side where they're like, well, I'm just being me. So I'm going to make no effort to manage my mind mm-hmm. or my impulsive reactions at all. And anybody who doesn't like it isn't good enough for me. I'm like, no, that's not the option. <laughs> that's not the solution either. It's a nice balance. There's something called like emotional responsibility where you like do your own work on yourself. Yes. And you present and you like show up as the real you, which again, can be messy, can be flawed. But that's not the same thing as like, I just act impulsively whenever I feel like it. Right. And I like don't ever think about what I'm doing. And then I just if you don't like like it's like, oh, I threw a flower pot at your head because I felt like it. Yeah. But that's the real me. So if you don't like that, then you're not good enough. Right. We re- somewhere in the we middle. recap like all the Bachelor and Bachelorette stuff. And in this past season um, on The Bachelor, so many of <laughs> so many of the women kept doing this thing where they'd behave poorly and yeah. then they'd be like well that's my truth and we're like that's just not right <laughs> that's the other right it's the other extreme and it's like that's what we think the extremes are and that's yeah. why i think like learning how to manage your mind is this fundamental life skill that we aren't taught so people think yeah. the only options are say everything i think act completely insane have no emotional regulation skills and just like be that person or fake being this perfect person. It's like, no, there's this middle ground where we like learn how to, yeah. you know, take responsibility. And I've gone through this with my, like, I go through this myself. And I actually think in my current relationship, I did a little bit of this where in the beginning, I was much more like, um, kind of reserved mm-hmm. and like, obser- also partly because I'm a coach. So I was just like in that mode of like, sure. I watch other people and think of, you know, yeah. and my current partner like was very encouraged me a lot to stop doing that and to like share more blah blah blah. but then I like swung a little too far the other way I just noticed myself doing that being like wait a minute that's not no just like not being reserved doesn't mean literally saying every thought you have you still need to like take responsibility for your own process right so for me like I think the real question in a relationship is like how can you show up as your authentic self in a way where you are taking emotional responsibility for yourself right and not putting it on the other person and not just acting out all over the place and expecting <laughs> them to deal with it, but also not like shutting it. Right. That's a whole we could have, do a whole other podcast on that. Right. Right. But yeah, I just think that these to me, this is like when I kind of learned about all of these tools, I was like, why did I learn like trigonometry and not that my thoughts create my feelings? Like oh one of those goodness. seems way more useful than the other. Oh, my goodness. I I my daughter's four and I have been like you know, now diving into like her going into kindergarten. I've been thinking about that. I'm like, oh my God, all these classes that I learned. Yes, there's value, but there are so many that I'm like, hey, I could have really used a class. Like instead of home ec, how about like brain ec? Like maybe someone should have taught me, you know, (laughs) some of us maybe learned this at home, but I did not. Yeah, I didn't either. And I think I I don't feel like a lot of us. No, I think we're moving into a new era. I hope, knock on wood, where like hopefully the next generations are going to be more 
are going to be better educated about the stuff as their parents get more educated. Like now everybody knows that it's good to move your body. I hope that like, if you yeah. can, I hope that in 20 years, everybody is like, oh yeah, of course you like take walks. Cause that's good. For, yes. You know, it's good to move your body and you do your thought work because it's good to like move and manage your mind. Mm-hmm. It's like mental hygiene. Like everybody needs to be taught these skills. And so many people just, I think, think that they're so, that there's something so wrong with them or they're so different from other people in a negative way. And it's truly just like, no one ever taught you how to emotionally regulate yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not something mo- some of us are naturally born with. Like my cat doesn't emotionally regulate himself <laughs> yeah. either. Like it's not a natural thing, right? It's like yeah. something you have to learn. And some of us are lucky enough to learn it at home. But if you don't, like you ne- it needs to be taught to you. There's nothing wrong with you. And especially like I think I used to take a lot of pride in like how sensitive I was. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't like, it's like it's not a spiritual calling. It's just <laughs> emotional dysregulation that you don't know how to manage. Yes. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So speaking of that, um, can we talk about one more thing? Um, You had a podcast recently that just spoke to me so much um, and it was about triggering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll say having this podcast, that's been one of these, the biggest journeys that I've walked through, I'll say in the past like year, because when you're dealing with a lot of other people outside of your like circle, you're hearing about a lot of different things that people are talking about that this is triggering and please, you know, let us know and whatever. And there are so many things that I'm so grateful for because I didn't know so much about PTSD mm-hmm. and all that type of trauma and triggering that way. And I'm so grateful that I learned about that because now it's like, okay, before we have an episode about a specific thing, I can give a trigger warning that is necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also then this part where it feels like it's gotten out of hand Mm -hmm. and when you spoke about it and gave an example um of something that happened to you in one of your podcasts it just like really hit home because when I mentioned it uh, being out of hand I'm including myself in this Mm -hmm. you know it's like I've now noticed myself throwing out that term a lot about things that are just upsetting to Mm me um, and kind of then not dealing with them and just putting kind of that blanket over it and be like, you shouldn't talk about that because it's triggering. Mm -hmm. So do you mind like touching on that? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, I think there's just a misunderstanding about what triggering actually is, how PTSD actually works and what is or is not. Right. So it's like was like people constantly saying things are killing them. It's like most of the time it's not literally killing <laughs> right. you, right? That actually is a meaning. That's not yeah. what it's happening. With triggering, right, with PTSD even in particular, sometimes people do know triggers for them. Often they don't know what will trigger them. That's actually why PTSD can be such a challenging condition, right? Yes. And so first, I just think there's like a misunderstanding by the lay public that mm-hmm. doesn't have PTSD, right? Also, I think people are like constantly self-diagnosing themselves mm-hmm. with PTSD or trauma. And the truth is like, PTSD is a particular psychological condition that sometimes but not always occurs after trauma, right? Mm -hmm. It's different for different people. Different things can cause it. It manifests differently. There's like PTSD and then there's like long-term complex PTSD. And there's like, there's just part of it is just like lay society taking a medical concept, not really understanding it and just like applying it to themselves, you know, which again, it's not a, it's not like bad intent. It's just, this is what happens with language. Things get absorbed and they're not understood. So that's the, the actual, there's the actual psychological situation. And then there's what most people are using triggering to mean is 
when I hear about this, I have a lot of feelings. Yes. I have a lot of negative feelings. And I'm not minimizing that. Feelings can feel very intense. But in the work that I do, what I teach is that your thoughts cause your feelings. And so it's never the thing. It's your thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we could have a whole 17-hour podcast about that. <laughs> like people who want to, people have a lot of different reactions to that statement. They can listen to my podcast for more on it, right? But for those of us who are not having a actual diagnosable psychological PTSD problem, yeah. right? And actually we are just having some negative emotions and because we don't have emotional resilience and we don't have emotional regulation tools and we don't know that our feelings can't hurt us because mm-hmm. they feel very intense. So our lizard, our primitive brain is like, this for sure will hurt me. feels yeah. terrible, yeah. right? So that feels overwhelming. And we don't know that our thoughts cause our feelings. So we don't know that we can change how we think. When we're in that place where we don't know any of that and we have all these intense feelings, we just, we're just trying to protect ourselves. But the problem is that we're doing it in a way that won't help us, right? Because the more barriers you try to put up between yourself and anything that might ever harm you, the more limited your life will get and the more fragile you will get, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to, people think it makes them stronger. And I just think that's a misunderstanding. It will make you more fragile, right? Mm-hmm. When you are constantly telling yourself that you can't even hear about anything when you have a negative emotion, that having a negative emotion is the worst thing that can happen to you and is very damaging and terrible and you can't survive your emotions and you need to avoid them. Like you're basically just trying to avoid and repress your emotions by controlling everything around you. And that is the least empowered and strong place to end up. Right. And you just it's almost like I have this image of people just like putting more and more bricks in front of them about like what can or can't be discussed around them. Right. Mm -hmm. And ending up totally walled off. Right. So to me, it's like, like I always think about in martial arts, even with little kids, like they teach you how to fall. Right. Because if you fall rigid, you'll break something. Right. And if you fall softly, you won't. Yeah. It's like in a car accident too. Yeah. Or anything, figure skating, like anything you're doing when we are rigid, Mm -hmm. we are much more breakable than when we are, flexible and resilient. And so, and you miss out on so much learning, right? Again, when you're using triggered in the non-clinical sense, like it's very triggering when people don't text me back on time or whatever, right? Like there's so much learning for you in there. Why are you so triggered when the person you're dating says this thing? If you are willing to go through that negative emotion and dig into it, you are going to learn so much about like what you think about yourself, what you think about your body, what you think about love, what you think about dating, like so much learning in the tiniest little interaction that you completely miss if you just are unwilling to have that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for myself, like <clears throat> there's certain uh, comments that I know, like, you know, it, like in the DMs or whatever, where I'll hear if anyone kind of calls me out for not being sensitive to a mm-hmm. certain group of people or um, being aware of something, I my body goes like triggered and I just want to like snap Mm-hmm. or delete it, or just, dis- like, you know, and I, and, or get angry, um, and it's after your um, the podcast episode that I listened to with you, where you were talking about not getting a text back, mm-hmm. and then you just sat with it, and you didn't respond, I started to, like, kind of sit and be like, okay, why, why is this mm-hmm. response, like, coming up in, in my body, and it was this, this realization that, like, for so long, I you know, lived in a community that like I've, like I said, was very conservative and I felt like there was a lot of things that were not right about it. Um, you know, concepts like justice wise, um, 
talk about feminism, race, all these things, the LGBTQ community, all these things that I knew that I'm like, this is, this isn't right, Mm -hmm. but I just would ignore it for Mm -hmm. so many years. So then when I hear people say, you're not being sensitive to this, I literally like my guilt and shame like comes up to my throat because it's like how many years were you just like kind of letting it slide and ignoring it, even though you knew that there was something wrong and you needed to... It's and I'm such like such a window okay. into those thoughts yeah. for you. Yeah, and it, it was it was so good because then I was like, okay, I can take these comments and I can learn from them and go, okay, for so many years you knew that there was something unjust happening and you just pushed it aside. And now you're given like a gift. I can look at these as a gift and say, you know what? Yes, do I feel like a knee-jerk reaction when I read them? Sure. But now I can learn something from somebody or at least, you know, take glean something learn a new concept from someone or how someone else feels about something totally. and, and about yourself and rejection right yes. i mean oh yes often and then what's the rejection triggered is the, rejection and shame and right. like the people pleasing someone doesn't like me right exactly yeah. so triggering right most yeah. of us are very triggered when somebody else doesn't like us yes. or like disapproves <laughs> of us or our behavior but there's yeah. so much learning there right mm-hmm. like that's digging it's all like when you get it i think i say this in the episode when you get a deep tissue massage it's like Digging into those sore points mm-hmm. is what actually releases the muscle and lets the body heal. And there's, you know, it's, there's such a funny paradox because I feel like the same people who are very um, adamant about their non-clinical triggers and that everyone respect them mm-hmm. are the same people who also would like, there's like, just imagine someone saying like, it's triggering to me when you point out my racism. So like, you're not allowed to do that. Right. Like it's so right. like backwards. Like that can't be the thing. Like, we, right. We need to all, it doesn't matter though. Because we need it's a to bigger all picture. be able to look yeah. at our own reactions to mm-hmm. things and see, like I, of course, also as a woman on the internet, get lots of DMS about what I'm doing wrong and what I should be doing differently and sure. why I'm not feminist enough and whatever. And Anytime I'm triggered, I'm like, this is a great opportunity for me to learn something. Sometimes it means actually I kind of agree with that point. I feel defensive and I want to address it. Sometimes I actually don't agree with it, but it's people pleasing or like everybody should Mm -hmm. like me or it's not okay for people to think I'm a bad feminist or right. Like, but there's always something to learn. And then just like a deep tissue massage, the more you're willing to lean into that discomfort, the more flexible and resilient your mind gets the same way your body does from working through your tension points. And eventually you are able to actually receive feedback, right? It's like, I mean, we all want to be able to like give other people our negative feedback about them, but then like when it happens to us, we're like, no, now I'm triggered, right? Like, (laughs) but it's the opposite. Like when you are willing to do your own work, that's when you're able to be like, oh, let me hear this feedback. And like, do I agree with it? Maybe yes, Mm -hmm. maybe no, you know? And I get the same thing. Like people are upset that I won't put trigger warnings on my podcast and- you know, and I understand why they're upset and I don't blame them. And yeah, they're totally allowed to have that opinion. But I like my reason and I know what it is mm-hmm. Um, for all these reasons we've been talking about. Like my whole job is to be a provocative yes. teacher. Yes. <laughs> so like I can't literally everything would be a trigger. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Every single episode. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are very, quote unquote, triggered by the idea that their thoughts cause their feelings. Like yeah. I can't, you know, they would all be like that. And I do name things with the topic. So, you know, like you don't want to listen to it, don't listen to it. Sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's the, you know, like anything in our lives, the more we try to control other people to feel safe, the less safe we become and the less safe we really feel. Mm -hmm. It's like we trade momentary, a momentary feeling of safety and control, but we don't recognize that over time, we're going to feel less and less safe and we're going to feel more and more out of control. 
because it's impossible to control other people yeah. and it's impossible to keep the world from presenting things to you that scare your primitive brain. Because like what you described, that feeling of shame coming up and rejection, it's your primitive brain reacting to a threat that unless you get a lobotomy, that's going to keep happening, right? Yeah, like you said, it's that threat of I'm going to get cast out of the tribe, right. out of and the so group of animals. And so when you try to control that, <laughs> yeah. it's like your world gets smaller and smaller and you are available for less and less challenge and growth and discomfort and you will almost like mental agoraphobia, right? You just like end up inside your house being like, now I'm scared to even go outside because what if somebody's like, it's yeah. all in this belief that we could get ourselves to a point by controlling everything else where we won't have to have any negative emotion and then we'll be safe. Mm. And the problem is that until you're dead, <laughs> you're going to have <laughs> negative emotion, possibly after also. <laughs> the problem is. Yeah, but you're a human, so you're <laughs> going to have positive and negative emotion yeah. and you can't control your way out of those and ironically if you are willing to have those feelings if you're willing to be quote-unquote triggered again in the non-clinical sense you are willing to have to experience shame or rejection or anger or fear when other people say words you don't like or do things you don't like the more you're willing to go through that the more resilient you become the more available you are for bigger and bigger challenges the more you you can go outside of your house and outside of your neighborhood and outside of your city and like open yourself up to the world and to me, like, what am I doing here with my life? That's what I want to be yeah. living, right? Is being open to, I want to find new and new ways that I'm being triggered so that I can learn more and more about what's going on in my own brain. That's always my goal. And that feels paradoxically, right? I mean, the Buddhists have been teaching this for thousands of years. Like when you acknowledge that you don't have control, that's when you feel safe and free. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. My I pleasure. so appreciate you being here. And I know Broad's, you're going to want to hop on this uh, Unfuck Your Brain podcast bandwagon real quick. <laughs> so you're going to get flooded. Plenty so. of room on the wagon. Come on So over. can you share? I know that you have the clutch, which yes. is, okay, can you talk about yeah. ways that our listeners can find you? Yeah. So you can find all? the podcast anywhere. It's got yes. a pretty standout name. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you like the podcast or you liked this work and you already know you want to kind of take it to the next level for yourself. Um, the Clutch is a feminist coaching community online. Uh, it's all virtual. We have some live events, but you can do everything virtually. And um, it's my favorite place in the world. You know, I felt like there are there are a lot of coaching communities with no feminist or social justice angle or even just like any acknowledgement, any like you don't have to be into social justice to be into this work. It's just like there was all this coaching work yeah. going on without any thinking about like, well, social messaging, how does that affect our brains? Like right. just from that level. So there were like, and with your background with reproductive Right, like this is my rights. work. Yeah. yeah. So there was yeah. like coaching work without that part. Mm -hmm. And then there are a lot of like feminist spaces online that were just ex ex very depressing. <laughs> it's just like no. Or like a lot of infighting or all this like yeah. social justice signaling and yeah. virtue signal. Like there was no place for what I wanted, which is what I've created, which is for women to come together, learn this work, coach themselves, coach each other. Like to me, you know, I spent decades doing the external work of like let's make society a better place and that still has to happen but we are doing a hundred percent that and like very little zero percent point five percent on the internal liberation mm -hmm. that has to happen and that's what i love about the clutch is like we've grown this community where you can bring anything there's no judgment there's always holding space there's always compassion but there's no enabling and there's no validating like we are not there to be like all your thoughts are true your boss is an asshole and you should be miserable right <laughs> we are there to like challenge you the way like a great older sister would or a really good, you know, a therapist or a coach or who, whatever it is, like 
it's a place where you can learn to do this work on yourself and be in community with other women. Because to me, that's always been what feminism is about, right? Is women or, you know, and not just women and people of many gender identifications, but coming together to do the radical work of like questioning what we're being taught and what the world tells us and create the lives that we really want and feel empowered enough to go after them. And that's what the clutch does. That's what it teaches you to do. And to me, that work has to happen in community. Yeah. And then you do one-on-one coaching? I do not. The clutch is, well, you can get coached by me in the clutch. So when you join the clutch, you get a whole bunch of stuff. We, there's a self-coaching course. I really tried tried to create it. So um, kind of all learning styles, like people who never want to speak to another person, yeah. <laughs> just do it on their own can do it. People who want to have a lot of interaction Got can be it. part of the community. Like I'm an introvert myself. So yeah. I'm kind of an extroverted introvert. So there's like all different ways. But um, that's the way to get coached by me is uh, I do a live coaching call once a month where I coach a few members every time. And I pop into the Facebook group and do a little bit of coaching there. And then I do live events that are only for people in the clutch. And then you can come and work with me really in depth over several days to really dig into stuff. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm going to include all of that in the episode notes. Cara, thank you so much. I appreciate you helping me unfuck my brain on a regular (laughs) basis. And broads, hop on this bandwagon and uh, we'll chat soon. 